And bellying up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. My name is Craig Toth, your host of Minor League News and Brews, talking about everything around the Pirates minor league system and giving you some beer reviews at the end of the show. This week, we are going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates positional player tool grades. And that is a a mouthful to say the least. But before we get to that, there was a very interesting article and then a follow-up article by J.J. Cooper over at Baseball America talking about some changes coming to the uh, Florida and Arizona Complex League schedules. Uh, This isn't something that falls on a ton of people's radars, uh, but for a, you know, person who is a huge fan of the minor leagues, as if you're listening to this, you probably are as well. Um, It's something that definitely, you know, caught my eye, caught our eyes. So I wanted to address it uh, to a certain degree here. Uh, laying out what the schedule looked like in 2023, uh, started on June 5th, ended on August 22nd. Uh, The change that is being made for 2024 is that the season will begin on May 4th and end on July 25th. Uh, There was a big discussion, and I think I may have even... You know, briefly mentioned this uh, in a previous episode concerning uh, the new roster limits uh, for players that you can have in your you know organization. It used to be uh, 180 in season, uh, 190 in the off season. Uh, seen the one in the off season go down to 175. Uh, the new one for in season is going to be 165. So definitely cutting down on you know the number of players that you can have in your organization. That was discussed concerning you know players signing minor league deals. Obviously the Pirates have made a decent amount of minor league signings, uh, but there are a lot of players still out there in major league free agency, some that will still sign major league deals, others that will sign minor league deals. Uh, Some of the stuff that was discussed concerning, you know, the benefits of this schedule change. uh, The biggest thing I saw mentioned was a cooler month in Arizona in May, as opposed to playing some of those games um, in August when the the difference in temperature is, you know, instead of playing in 94 degree heat, that dry heat, quote unquote, dry heat, uh, you'll be playing in, you know, 115 degree dry heat. So that was something that was brought up a decent amount. Uh, Talked about uh, the concerns that people had. A lot of people said, you know, you're going to see more, more prep players, uh, elevated quicker to uh, the the low A, maybe I wouldn't say high A, but the low A ranks instead of getting started in the Florida Complex League. 
And this kind of goes back to a discussion that we've been having since 2020, 2021, uh, with the elimination of the advanced rookie ball, which would have been the Bristol Pirates for your Pittsburgh Pirates. Also, uh, one of my favorite teams, the short season low A, uh, that was uh, the West Virginia Black Bears, which are now part of the MLB Draft League. Um, but in that first article, J.J. Uh, Cooper discusses, you know, they could still have uh, some unofficial games um, that would occur after the draft because the season is ending, you know, shortly after the draft. Don't know exactly when the players would actually get inked, when they would show up, uh, but wouldn't leave time, you know, for those uh, high school and prep arms or batters to play very much, but you could have these unofficial games where you could roll innings, uh, where basically you want to see a, a pitcher throw so many different pitches. And, you know, if he reaches a limit or is struggling or anything like that, you can just basically, you know, end the, end the inning whenever you want to, uh, you can call the game whenever you want to, you don't have to play, a certain amount of innings and for anybody that has been you know to pirate city during spring training uh, the minor league players you know participate in these you know all the time uh, they'll say they're you know quote unquote you know three inning games but a lot of times you're not seeing you know three full innings of ball you may see you know a pitcher you know work on something and then you know, there are umpires and everything, so there are some rules, but they kind of said that this would be the uh, the U.S. version of uh, the Tricky League that used to exist in the Dominican Republic. Um, and also, they said these games could be, if you just kind of run out of arms, if you don't have, you know, as many guys that you want to pitch that day, um, you kind of just end the game early. It's It's not, you know... It's, I mean, it's still professional baseball to a degree. It's more of like I said, like a spring training or an instructs type thing. But I mean, you're still getting to play against you know certain players. So yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I it kind of hurts me that that there are some questions and concerns about this, uh, and that you know. You won't see those players go into that, but J.J. Uh, Cooper did a follow-up article. Anybody who hasn't, go you know, read these over at Baseball America. I mean, it does require a subscription, uh, but I mean, the subscription is well worth it, not only for these two articles, but for you know, many other reasons. Followed up on this uh, a little bit, and you know, I'm just going to point out some stats that he you know, referred to in this article and that it was like less than 35% of college hitters prior to 2021 made it to full season ball in their draft year. Uh, a lot of times they spent that in the short season affiliates. I talked about when I went to go down to see the West Virginia Black Bear games, I would go down there um, to see, you know, players on rehabs at times, but also to see, you know, the college hitters 
uh, that the Pirates had drafted, you know, just a few weeks before that. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't like that was happening. But since uh, the changes we talked about, those leagues being eliminated, the MLB quote-unquote takeover of the minors, uh, more than 70% of college hitters drafted uh, reached full season ball in their draft year. So, I mean, a lot of these things have kind of already been happening. Uh, so with the FCL not being there after the draft, it's a lot of those changes have already started to take place. Um, he also said that for most of the 21st century, only 5 to 6% of prep hitters, high school hitters, uh, that were drafted will, would make it into full season ball in their draft year. And last year it was 25.5% of prep bats made it to full season ball. So once again, there's already been that increase even with even before uh, the changes to the FCL schedule, the ACL schedule. But the biggest thing to me here is that I mean, a lot of times, I mean, because he mentions, you know, go read this, prep pitchers as well, uh, college pitchers. Um, a lot of times, you know, we've seen, especially, you know, with Ben Charrington, is you may not even see these pitchers, you know, whatsoever uh, after they're drafted just because of the number of innings they may have pitched, especially for college pitchers. Uh, you may see them in limited work, uh, but not really like a ton. I mean, even a, you know, a one, one overall and, and Paul Skeens saw, you know, just under seven innings of work, obviously his was not just at, you know, the, the lower levels. He, he worked his way into the upper minors in double a Altoona. But a lot of times, you know, you kind of just get a pitcher in, uh, may pitch in some fall instructional stuff. But, I mean, they've already probably had a decent amount of innings on their arms. And even if they really hadn't, um, a lot of times I wouldn't say that they're quote-unquote shut down, but they're not pitching um, in any, you know, professional capacity. Uh, beyond, you know, kind of some backfield stuff, which would go back to those unofficial games. So, yes, I mean, nobody likes change. Uh, I think that at some point in time, you know, moving forward, we we won't even really notice this. I mean, I, like I said, miss the, the West Virginia Black Bears uh, being a part of the Pirates organization. But, I mean, even with that, it's something that I look back on fondly and that when I'm you know, talking about the Pirates minor leagues, it's just so easy uh, to talk about the, you know, the four levels and then you know, the Florida Complex League uh, without even really slipping up and mentioning those you know, like I did when it first happened. So, like I said, go read these articles, you know, think for yourself and you know, form your own opinion on that. But I wanted to put that out before I got into the top tools for the position players. I don't think I'm allowed to break these down into segments anymore because... 
everybody that knows me, I end up rambling uh, for that first segment. I wanted to get to the petition, the position players uh, for this episode, going through the grades. Once again, I do look at the grades, but I kind of put them uh, into tiers. It's nice to just kind of like see where the separation is instead of seeing like a grade kind of behind it. And I also look at performance. If you go into the prospect sites, you're going to see uh, position players graded out not only, you know, at the plate, but also, you know, in the field. You'll see the hit tool. You'll see power. You will see run. You will see arm. You will see field. And finally, the overall grade. So it's not even just, you know, at the plate as far as, you know, just one thing. You got the hit and, you know, the power. And then once they get on the base pass with, you know, the speed, the running, uh, and even in the field, it's like, well, you know, they might not be the greatest fielder, but they may have a ridiculous arm. So, you know, sometimes that can make up for it. Sometimes it causes more problems if a, a player is rushing. And even though they have a very strong arm, you know, may overthrow, may throw in the dirt, different things like that. Uh, but I'm going to start with the obvious, and that is the hit tool. Uh, for the Pirates, there is one player who is in the first tier that is, you know, not head and shoulders above every other player, uh, but is in a category all of his own. That is Tamar Johnson. Uh, speaking with uh, Jeffrey uh, Padanostro from Baseball Prospectus, go back and listen to that episode. I uh, talked about you know something that I had heard previously. I believe it was on Baseball America's podcast, and some you know reading and research and discussing and talking to some scouts uh, that I did that there was like a balance between uh, Tamar Johnson where. They could see, you know, maybe the hit tool coming up a little bit, the power going down, maybe seeing the power go up like it did last year and seeing the hit go down a little bit. Or if he could find that little bit of a gray area where he could have, you know, a hit and a power tool. I mean, both of them are obviously above average, 50 being the average on the 20 to 80 scale. But that, you know, one of them could go higher above average and the other one could drop closer to 50, not necessarily being an average, you know, hit or power tool. Uh, but for right now, uh, Tamar Johnson is in, in a league of his own. Uh, the next one also kind of in a tier of his own in tier two um, is Mitch Jeb. Uh, last year, if you're looking at average, you're looking at the hit tool, uh, hit 295 in low a Bradenton after being drafted was shown up a little bit by Mr. McAdoo with a 302 average, kind of came out a little bit of nowhere. Uh, Mitch Jeb has that very funky swing, but it works for him. I mean, that's why, you know, when I was a, a younger person, when I used to play the home run derby uh, in of wiffle ball in the, in the backyard with my friends, you know, we would do like a, a Julio Franco, uh, stance for pirates fans, Orlando Merced was one that I would go to, uh, to just a little bit of a funky thing to, to it and the way he set up, but you know, Mitch Jeb, 
it's obviously working for him. Definitely has the good hit tool, hit for average. Came out and had, you know, just a good season. We're talking about, you know, a player recently drafted and going straight into, you know, the the low A part of the organization. Uh, did very well. The next tier is Sung Che Chang. No real surprise there for me. The other, the one surprise was Garrett Forrester. I knew he was, you know, a pretty good hitter. Didn't know exactly how good of a hitter he was, but good to know that that's where he's rated at right now. Looking forward to where he would be. Um, I think he's a player that uh, was mentioned by Michael when I was on one of the longest podcast episodes I've ever been on, which was completely my fault. Uh, 412 Double Play podcast from this past week. Uh, go listen to that as well. Um, but Forrester was somebody that was brought up. And we, for the best of the rest, I wouldn't really call it like maybe a fourth tier, but I, I have your Donnie De Los Santos, Jack Brannigan, Shaylin Polanco, kind of where their grading is at there. Uh, but those are the guys with the hit tool. Uh, on to the power. Uh, Tamar's back up there as well. You know, already talked about, you know, maybe sold out for a little bit of power last year. Something that definitely happens to players when they are in Greensboro, just because I mean everybody loves the long ball and you can sell out for a little bit of power. And even if it's not, you know, getting a complete barrel on the ball uh, that you could end up putting it out there just because of the band box that they play in the other small fields they play with in the Sally league um, in tier two. Garrett Forrester pops back up. Lonnie White Jr., man, can he just stay healthy this season? Would be so happy. Uh, Matt Gorski comes into that. A very young man, but a very large man. And Tony Blanco Jr., Malcolm Nunez, and Shawnee Severino uh, just recently acquired this past year from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, big international signing for them now in the pirate system uh, to look at the power, you know, just as far as home runs throughout the system, the leaders uh, for the pirates last year in the minor leagues, Jace Bowen with 23 Rodolfo, Nolasco down in low a Bradenton with 20 Matt Gorski with 20, Jack Brannigan with 19, and Tamar Johnson with 18. Uh, with Jace, with Jack, and with Tamar, I'm wondering how much of the Greensboro effect is in play there. Uh, Gorski did not have that great of a season last year, but definitely did show some of the power. Guys, he's super athletic. I mean, I think he's just a really good player. Had the unfortunate injury uh, the year before. I came back and just didn't have uh, the greatest season, but was able to put 20 out. Now, as far as speed goes here, I was actually like kind of, I wouldn't say shocked by this one, but I definitely thought I would see some other players in Tier 1. In tier one right now, by himself, Lonnie White Jr. In tier two, Shaylin Polanco and Manuel Torero, Estar Suero and Sung Che Chang. Looking at some of the the stolen base uh, 
and caught stealing within the minor leagues last year. And sometimes it is easier to, you know, steal in the minor leagues just because uh, pitchers haven't, you know, they're working on some stuff, haven't, you know, perfected the delivery. They, you know, maybe pick off moves, different stuff like that. Um, but I just kind of wanted to see where, you know, the pirates stood and these are the guys that were, you know, towards the top of the steals. Uh, it was Jace Bowen with 26, Sung Che Chang with 26, uh, Jack Brannigan with 24, uh, going up the list a little bit is Trace Gonzalez with 28 and Mike Jarvis with 31, and kind of like when you look at, I looked at the other side as well, because, I mean, we all know that, you know, G1 Bay is as fast as all get out. And, you know, the first month of the season had you know, great success on the base pass. If he made it to first base, I mean, there was a pretty good chance that he's going all the way to third base, but then, you know, kept, saw him getting picked off and, you know, getting caught stealing and, it just speed is not everything. So I kind of wanted to look as, you know, Jace Bowen had 26 stolen bases, but was caught stealing six times. Sung Che Chang had 26 stolen bases, but was caught 12 times. Jack Brannigan, 24 stolen bases, caught three times. Uh, Trace Gonzalez, 28 stolen bases, caught eight times and this one really stuck out to me because a lot of people are like okay if you try to steal more you know you're obviously going to get caught stealing more uh, so what's that number really look like mike jarvis had 32 attempts and had 31 stolen bases he was only caught stealing one time so i mean take it for what it's worth what you will with those ones uh, going on to, you know, moving out into the field off of, you know, out of the batter's box, off of the base pass, going to the arm. Uh, this one, really no surprise whatsoever. Jack Brannigan, uh, and you're going to see him in the tier one, in the arm, in the fielding. Um, I've heard it compared to... Um, and him compared to, you know, within the pirate system, Jared Triolo, uh, going to be like, he could be a gold glove, you know, third baseman, shortstop. I mean, it's a guy that is just, just really good, um, and has that strong arm to go with it. Uh, tier two, as far as the arm is Shawnee Severino tier three is Jace Bowen. And this one might be a big surprise to you is Malcolm Nunez. Uh, Nunez had moved, been moved off of third base. Uh, something I've brought up before moved off of third base when he was with St. Louis. I mean, they have a pretty good third baseman there by the name of Nolan Arenado. You know, kind of comes to Pittsburgh. Pirates also have a good third baseman who's ahead of him in Cabrian Hayes, uh, Jared Triolo uh, ahead of him as well, uh, trying some, you know, first base. But the one thing with him, and I think I mentioned this before, is, you know, go back and look at spring training from last year and him playing, you know, third base uh, when he showed up. Guy's got some good feet, got good defense, good arm. So, I mean, might be a surprise to some people. I knew the defense was a little bit of a surprise to me with the arm. 
but moving to the fielding, as previously mentioned, Jack Brannigan. Tier 2, Lonnie White Jr. Once again, I will say this, please stay healthy this year. Tier 3 is Chang, Polanco, and Termar. Uh, Termar, you know, probably going to be a second baseman. But as far as a second baseman go, I, it is already, you know, a pretty good fielder. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, overall, it's kind of like, as far as the hitters, there's not a lot of hitters towards the top, man. It's, it's kind of gotten crazy. Um, we have so many pitchers now with the number of hitters that have graduated. Something I talked about last week when I was doing, you know, grading out the, uh, the pitching prospects within the Pirates minor league system. And right now it's like, kind of like, you know, Tamar Johnson, and then there's like, what's that called? The ellipsis, like the dot, dot, dot. Then there's Mitch Jeb. Then the dot, dot, dot. And, you know, you're Donnie De Los Santos. And it's not saying that the other players I didn't mention, you know, won't make it, won't have, you know, major league careers or whatever. But it's it's just kind of crazy to see how much uh, the Pirates farm system has changed. Um, and the big thing about this is that, you know, those guys that are kind of towards the top, like n- none of them are, you know, they're not in triple A. We don't have like those top prospects towards the top of the system. I mean, you know, Tamar could start um, in Altoona, but I'm not really sure. You know, he didn't make it to, uh, didn't make it to Greensboro because uh, as soon as, you know, some thought he might because of the injury he suffered at the beginning of last year, you know, Mitch Jeb could move throughout the system as a college bat. Uh, but, you know, nobody really in AAA. And then your Donnie De Los Santos uh, was in the FCL and then, you know, came up to Bradenton. And that's kind of the person I want to end this on right here. Um, and it's not like to say that it's a negative note because, I mean, your Donnie is, is absolutely extremely young. Uh, in the FCL, uh, 78 plate appearances slash 328, 397, 463, good for a 126 WRC+. plus. Moved up to Bradenton, had 153 plate appearances there, 184, 322, 256, good for a 72 WRC+. plus. The one thing I will say about his time in Bradenton is his walk rate. It was 14.4%. It's a very good thing to see. But the K rate was 32.9%. Wanted to end on a positive note there. Extremely young. Looking forward to what he can do. Once again, Lonnie White Jr., please stay healthy. Uh, Could be just a very big impact player. Uh, An outfielder, not something that our system is completely packed with anymore. Uh, But... uh, Coming next week, going to be starting the uh, the preview series uh, for all four levels uh, of the Pirates minor leagues. Going to be beginning, going to be beginning. Excuse me, there with the uh, Indianapolis Indians. I believe last year I went from Bradenton up. Say it all begins in Bradenton, just due to scheduling with myself. Uh, with the the great guys, the broadcasters, and different people I'll have on uh, to discuss each of those levels. It just kind of worked out a little bit better uh, to start with Indianapolis this year. 
really looking forward to getting into that. I uh, can't wait to talk to uh, Jack McMullen uh, from the Indianapolis Indians broadcaster out there from Just Baseball Media, doing great stuff over there. Man, I can't wait for baseball season to really, really get started. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer, let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. This week, as far as beers go, I, I'm going with one that I hadn't even heard of this brewery before but it kind of really caught my eye it was the captain lawrence brewery it's up in new york i uh, i call it the cap larry uh, i think that's why for some reason in my head as soon as i saw captain lawrence i was like i don't know like captain larry uh brewing but it is captain lawrence brewing i uh, had four pretty good and interesting beers I uh, had a uh, a Northeast Hazy IPA, a regular IPA, uh, a Kolsch, and a lager. So I had a nice selection uh, in their variety pack there. Starting off with their classic lager coming in at 4.2%. I uh, gave that one a 425, move it down to 375. Surprisingly, because I mentioned Hazy and I mentioned another IPA, my favorite of the bunch was their Clear Water Kolsch, coming in at 4.8% ABV. Give that one a 450, knock it down to 400. The Hop Commander IPA, and this this is hot. This is a hop Hop Commander. I mean, it feels like you're either just inhaling straight hops or chewing on hops. I mean, it is hoppy. Uh, comes in at 6.5%, which was a little bit lighter of an A, but lower of an ABV than I thought it was going to be based on the original taste. Give that one a 400, bring it down to 350. And finally, the Citra Dreams Northeast Hazy IPA. Thought this one was going to be my favorite. Maybe it's the percentage. And it was, I, I told you before, some of those, uh, I like kind of more of the, the lower ones, a little bit lighter ones. Uh, this one came in at 7%. Still gave it a 425, knock it down to 375. That is Captain Lawrence Brewing. Uh, a very, very good pack there. Has something for everybody. It's not just like a regular, you know, like IPA pack or anything. So go out and try that one and come back next week to hear Jack McMullen help me preview the Indianapolis Indians season.